Well, good evening, family. I am so privileged and so honored to be able to share a word with you today. Um, uh, my name is Ruby. I'm one of the team here at Metro Church in Perth in Australia um, and a close family friend um, of the Mohans and of a lot of you there at High Point Life. And um, it is such a privilege and an honor to be able to share the word with you and to be able to join with you um, in God in one spirit and in one mind. And um, yeah, I think we will jump straight into it and we'll start with some prayer. So, Father, we just welcome you into this space and we thank you that you are who you are. We thank you that you are good. We thank you that everything good comes of you and comes to you, Lord. And we thank you that you are our constant reminder, um, our constant connection with that goodness, with that love. And tonight, Father, as we prepare to um, hear from you and hear from your spirit, we just welcome you into our hearts. We allow you to make an abode um, in our hearts, in our ears, in our mind, um, and you are so free to be in this space, Lord. We thank you for every single part of the service, and we thank you for every single um, word that will just be spoken to us, that will touch us, that will renew us, and that will give us a fresh, um, a refreshing, Lord, tonight is what we ask of you, and that's what we come before you for, Lord, tonight. And we just want to thank you that you are here in our presence that you are never far and that you will never be far from us. Amen and amen. So I am so honored and I'm so excited to be a part of this night for you team um, and family. And um, when Pastor Stephen asked me to share a word for you, um, to share a word with you, I spent some time thinking about it and a little bit of time kind of meditating around what worship really meant to me and what um, my heart is for worship. And as we kind of delve tonight, um, we're going to sort of... Um, there was one phrase that really just stuck out as I was doing my general reading and as I was doing my normal day-to-day -day things and it was just one simple sentence and all it said was, come drink and have your fill. And that just really spoke to me and I feel like tonight I'll hopefully be able to encompass a little bit more about our heart for worship and our spirit around it, um, sort of centering around this very simple line, come drink and have your fill. Now we are fearfully and wonderfully made by our creator and in his image we were made and we were made to worship. We know worship is far more than just words spoken. We know that it is far more than just songs sung. We know that it is far more than just the first part of a service and it's not an entree to the service. We know that it is something that is deeper, something that is a lot more rooted and a lot more connected. And as I was Exploring this, um, I came across this passage that I think we will read out of today that's going to um, hopefully allow us to outline a few things that are going to help us apply what worship is in our lives, but also just focus on the why of worship and what it actually does for us and what it means for us as Christians. Um, as Christians, we are not just worshippers just because we have a God that we worship, but it, um, as we all know and as we've all experienced probably, worship means a lot more to us. It is that one thing that separates us from people who believe in other deities that people who believe in other um, superior beings, um, our worship with our God, with Jesus Christ, with the one true King is something that is so unique and so special. And so hopefully tonight we'll be able to unpack just a few of those things. So 
we will jump straight into the word. And so we're reading from Isaiah chapter 55, um, verses 1 to 6. And it says, Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and he who has no money, come. Come buy and eat, come buy wine and milk without any money, without price. Why do you spend money for that which is not bread, or your labor for which does not satisfy? Hearken diligently to me, listen diligently to me, and eat what is good, and delight yourselves in fatness, delight yourselves in abundance, and fatness, I love that word. Incline your ear and come to me, hear that your soul may live, and I will make you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. Behold, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and a commander for the peoples. Behold, you shall call nations that you know not, and nations that you knew not shall run to you, because of the Lord your God and of the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Now, we'll kind of just go through a little bit of that and kind of unpack it in bits and pieces. Um, and like I said at the beginning, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. We're made in God's image and thus we are made to worship. We are made to give of ourselves, of our time, of our efforts, of our resources, of our emotions. And what happens when we give? Naturally, it starts to deplete. The rule of any physical science will tell you that if you pour something out, what's left will be less. Um, and if you keep pouring, eventually whatever you, uh, container or whatever vessel you're pouring from will empty out and drain out. When we start worshipping, when we start tapping into what worship really is and building true worship and strengthening our spirit man, we start to realize that we don't run empty that we are constantly replenished and we are constantly filled and more so we are constantly overflowing and abundance starts to arise. And so that from that giving comes abundance and from that abundance we start giving not from a striving, not from an emptiness, but from a wholeness and a fullness. And I think that that is such a blessing. And when we start to build our worship and understand why we worship, not only who we worship, but why we worship, we just maintain that constant reservoir. Our worship comes in so many forms. It's in the form of our prayer time and our prayer life, how we communicate with God, the things we ask for and the things we receive and the things that he gives to us freely. It comes in the form of our adoration and our reverence for God and our awe for him in the way that we sing and we praise and we worship in our song and in our speech. It comes in the form of our actions. It comes in the form of our words, what we say to one another, what we say to ourselves. It comes in spending time in his word, reading his word, understanding it. It comes in listening to him and obeying, ultimately obedience. God wants us to worship in spirit and in truth is what it says in John chapter 4. So this passage is actually entitled in the version of my Bible that I have. That's a very old Bible that I stole from a, a cousin, I believe, in high school. Now realizing that none of this 
Um, but anyway, it's been my favorite Bible for such a long time and it's um, well highlighted and well marked and it's a rather old version um, or translation. And this actually, this, this chapter that we're reading, um, Isaiah chapter 55, is actually entitled Divine Invitation to Return. In some versions, it will say invitation to the thirsty or somewhere something around those lines. But I just felt like that was such a beautiful encapsulation of what we're describing today, divine invitation to return. The time that you have spent in worship and the time that you will spend in worship after this word is just exactly that. It is that divine invitation to return to the core, to return to the center of what all of this means, to return to what truly, to what worship truly is. And so when I read this little um, caption, I found a few things stuck out. When I read through the passage, even a, a few more things started to pop out. And so that's what we'll be sharing tonight. So the first thing, if you're writing down any notes or taking notes, the first thing is worship is our source. The first verse makes a reference to water and it says, everyone who thirsts come to the waters. Water is life-giving. It is life-sustaining. It is restoring, it is reviving, just like Jesus is. He's our source. That water, if any one of you have ever come back from a long day at work, and even if you're not a typical water drinker or someone who doesn't like water, there's just something about that water when you have a big gulp and you just take it all in and you sit there for 30 seconds just sipping on water. There is nothing like that feeling. It is such a refreshing feeling. And what do we all do after we've taken the glass out of our mouth? We go, ah, it just hits the spot. Water doesn't have a taste. It doesn't have a texture. It doesn't have um, a fragrance. It is just perfect as it is. You wouldn't want to add anything to it. And that is exactly what our worship does. That is exactly what it does. It fills and it hits the spot. And it is that constant source from which we draw. I'm currently training in obstetrics and gynecology. Um, so I deal with women's health and um, right from their childbearing ages, right through to um, their older ages. And one of my many day-to-day -day privileges is the privilege of assisting a woman bring life into this world. And it absolutely fascinates me that God chose water as a medium for which we would develop as the actual container for which we would start to become that life that we know, that actual being that we call a human. As most of you know, babies sit in what we call amniotic fluid, which is just fluid surrounding the baby. And it's not composed of much, just probably the same things you'd find in mineral water, a bit of sodium, a bit of potassium, some heavy metals in low doses, just the usual salts that we would find floating around in water. But just that on its own, together with spirit, together with God himself, is what forms life. And we know for a fact from studies that we've done and from babies that unfortunately come a little bit too early, that water is absolutely crucial to this baby's development. It helps the lungs grow. It helps their heart start to practice pumping blood. Um, it works through their gut. That's all they have to actually move through their gut and actually allow for their stomach to expand and shrink, for their gut to have normal motility. And it's absolutely amazing. 
amazing. And I find that that is just such a beautiful analogy that God would share with us in our day-to-day lives of how essential just water can be. And what he's trying to say is that he is the source. Jesus is the source. He is the one. He is the refreshing. And so when we worship and when we tap into that and when we recognize our role in that and why we worship and why we do this, we understand that that is our source. And like I said, we're trying to constantly be in that place of abundance, that place of fatness, so that we can constantly give of ourselves and overflow into those around us. It says in Isaiah 44, verse 3 to 4, For I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams of the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessings on your descendants. How beautiful is that promise? And again, just that analogy of water, it is a source of life. It is a source of everything good. It is a source of replenishing, of restoration. And that is what worship is. That is what we actually tap into when we start to worship and start to strengthen that part of our lives. The second thing, point number two, worship is our resource. As we move further down in that passage, it talks to us about coming and buying wine and milk, even without any money, for no price at all, completely free. Come, come get your fill. Come and get your fill. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Simply put, why spend your resources on things that will not edify, things that will not add, that will not give you that fullness, that wholeness? Worship does. And that's why it says it. It gives us a pool. Our worship gives us a pool, a reservoir out of which we can serve. It's a free gift. And so we give it freely. It gives us that ability, that connection that oneness with God that allows us to lead generous lives. And I'm not talking just generosity with regards to financial ability, but I'm talking about generous with our love, generous with our time, generous with our efforts, generous with our testimonies. There is no better way that people are going to know this God that we serve, this God that we worship, this God that we wholly, truly adore, apart from sharing our experiences and how good he has been in our lives and sharing that in our words and our day-to-day actions and the way in which we interact with people. People can see our worship lives. People can see our truth in worship by the way we interact. And so just having that resource of worship is going to allow us to actually be generous with those things, be generous with our patience and with others. How many here could use a little bit more patience, even with your family, with your two-year-old, with your 14-year-old? Hey, all of us could use a little bit more patience with the random person on the street in the car in front of you who's not driving like you need them to drive today. <laughs> all right. So worship just really allows us, it's absolutely our resource. It just gives us that bounty to actually tap into that we can then give of our world and we can then show everyone around us that we are true worshipers. We are worshipers in spirit and in truth. It allows us to worship with our lives, essentially. And we make reference to Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, and it says, Therefore I urge you or I implore you, 
brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, meaning set apart, meaning different, again, showing that there's something about this person, something about you and me as worshippers of God. We are holy, set apart and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. That again, such beautiful words, such beautiful reminders of how we can actually live our lives and actually exemplify and manifest all of these things and um, practicing that ability to worship well and worship truly allows it to just be a part of our lives. Like we said, we don't want it to be an add-on. We don't want it to be an extra. We don't want it to just be that thing we do occasionally or when you're really, really needing something from God or when you're, it's your exam tomorrow and you just remembered. It's, it, worship is a lot more than that. It is a lifestyle, so to speak. Worship can't have pride. It's not just singing. It's not just um, following a set of rules. It's more than that. It is a true obedience to God. It is a true reverence. And when we say reverence, it is that honoring and that understanding that God is there. He's our creator and that everything that he does is for us, that we may live that we may have eternal life, that we may allow others in our spheres to have eternal life. And that is such a beautiful burden to carry. And that is such a beautiful actual thing to, to, to hold on to, an actual tangible thing to hold on to that reminds us to do this daily. Someone once said to us very very, very aptly in one of our creative sessions that we had with Libby um, and Wayne Huiria from um, a, a church in New Zealand. Um, and I remember those words very clearly. Um, uh, uh, Wayne, Wayne said to us, don't forget that worship is a foundational response to God's goodness. And that is such a beautiful word. It's a foundational response. It is not thought of. It is not planned. It is not calculated. It is just an innate response to God's goodness. That is what our worship is. And that's what we should remind ourselves of every day when we're in that space. Point number three, worship draws us closer now, I absolutely love this point because this is exactly why we do this. And we all feel it when we're in worship, when we're singing and we've got our hands raised and eyes closed and heads bowed. However, we worship in the physical, you feel that closeness. Something happens and the veil splits. Something happens and that separation goes down to zero. Something happens and you can feel him right here. You can feel God right here. You can touch him. It is palpable. Something happens when we worship. We draw close. We start to get even closer. In verse 3, it says, incline your ear to me and come to me. Incline, turn, listen, tune in, zone in, fix in. Turn that ear and come to me. And that part of the verse actually implies two things. Number one. It implies that there is a voice speaking. No one would say, listen to me or turn your ear to me and then keep quiet. Most of us, if someone says, listen up, we're waiting for something to listen to, right? So when God says, incline your ear, he says, turn, I am speaking. 
You're not hearing. I am speaking. So I need you to turn your ear to me and zone in and tune in. And the second thing that that part of the verse implies is that there is our willingness to listen and to obey. So not just to listen. How many of us know that if we walk into a store today and there's Christmas carols playing, you probably will hear them. You might not listen to them because you know how Jingle Bell goes or you know how Joy to the World goes. But when you listen to them, you're actually making a conscious decision to negate everything else, to stop everything else that's going on in your brain at the forefront of your mind at that time and pay attention and that is a conscious decision. And that's what drawing closer to him means. So our worship allows us to tune our ears, to get in that zone where we can listen, where we can focus and hear what he's trying to say. But not only that, take it a step further. We draw closer to him. We actually allow ourselves to fall into that obedience, that space of obedience. And we go to him. And that's why we have that closeness. Our worship allows us to hear and in hearing that activates and it charges us and it enables us to proceed, which is that obedience and to do more. Like we said, again, we don't just worship just to edify ourselves, but we want to worship so that we can actually be living sacrifices so that every part of our lives exemplifies our worships, so that our worship is for something, not just for our personal benefit. When we listen to God, to this God that we love, to this God that we worship, that we serve, we can't help but obey. And this brings life and life in its entirety, life to the fullest. If we don't tune in, we lose that awareness of him. And then we start living based on what the world says and we start being affected by what the world says and we start um, stumbling and losing clarity and losing our vision and losing our focus because we've lost that ability. We've turned that ear back towards whatever else was going on. We've stopped tuning in. His word is core. His voice, his leading, his guidance is what we need to be tuned in at all times. Listen that you may live. How beautiful is that? Listen so that your soul may live and I will make with you an everlasting covenant. Point number four, our worship actually reminds us of his promises, his everlasting covenant, that we are the top and not the bottom, that we are actually in a place like no other. We are in a time like no other. We have gifts like no other to impact this world. David was the eighth son of Jesse. He was forgotten. No one even knew he existed. He was just in the fields with his sheep, minding his own business. And the same David became the slayer of Goliath. This exact same David is the one who says here, who's spoken about here, that I made him a witness to the peoples. He became a leader and a commander for the peoples. How amazing is that? That is exactly what God wants to do in our lives, in our families, in our spheres of influence, in our workplaces. He wants to make us the leaders and the commanders. There is no more power that comes from those two words. Those aren't just small words and sit back and watch and observe words. Those are upfront in the action, with direction, with vision, with confidence, with power, with authority. Those are the words we are talking about. Leaders and commanders is what we are in the mighty name of Jesus. 
And that is what worship allows us to do. That is what worship reminds us. His promises. It unlocks us in our purpose and it allows us to do it. It gives us the strength to outwork that purpose that we have. Whatever that may be. We are priests in the way that we are. We are priests in every, in every way. And then this brings us to our last point and point number five, worship allows his kingdom to come. When we unlock that God-given purpose and start to live in that, um, in that realm, live in that confidence and in that knowing that he has set us aside for a good thing, for his purpose, it allows his kingdom to come. It allows it in our daily lives. It allows us in our larger world and it says here in verse 5, Behold, you shall call nations that you know not, and nations that you didn't even know of shall start running to you because of the Lord your God and of the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. We are here to make his kingdom known through our actions and through our spirit, i.e. through our worship. Isn't that beautiful? Nations will run to us. To follow this Jesus, this God, this heart that beats in our heart for his glory. This is where miracles are activated. Paul and Silas were in the jail. They're in the dungeon. All they started to do was worship. Just sing songs of praise and pray. And what happened? The ground started to shake. <laughs> Shackles became loosed. Prison gates flung open. That is the power of worship. His kingdom comes. It, it activates and it unlocks miracles. And more so than that, it allows us to be part of that miracle. It allows us to actually be the stem, the root, the actual activator of that miracle. And that is exactly what the world needs. We need to be that light. We need to be that focus. We need to be that hope for the world because we have that power within us. And so when we worship, we allow God to work and to shine and to show what he is really about, that he is here to save, that he is here to heal, that he is here to empower and to free and to loosen chains. That is what our God wants us to be able to be a part of. That is the bigger picture that God wants us to be a part of. And like I said, such a privilege and so church, today we pray that our words and our actions and our hearts be aligned and tuned into him, to God. That our worship, our foundational and innate response to your goodness, God, may be a daily part of our lives. Not an extra on Sundays, but an integral and a core aspect of every part of our being. Lord, let us be a people who draw near to you, Lord, not only with our mouths, but with a heart that is close to you too. Father, I thank you for our family, both here in Perth and there in Klang, and every single person, Father, who calls you their own, Father, who calls you Father. We thank you that we are able to be in this place with you, Lord. And we thank you that our worship allows that unfiltered connection with you, that unfiltered hotline to you, Lord, that we can tap into every day for the big things, for the medium-sized things, and for the small things in our lives, Lord. 
We thank you that you care about it all. And we thank you that as we continue to strengthen our worship, strengthen our spirit, man, strengthen our inner being, that you continue to draw closer to us, that we continue to hear from you so clearly, that we continue to be led by you, protected by you, guarded by you, guided by you. We thank you, Father, that you are king. We thank you, Father, that you never stop. We thank you, Father, that you are never far. We praise your name. Through Jesus Christ, our saving grace. Amen. Thank you so much, family. I hope this word blessed every single one of you. And I'm sure I'll see you around very, very soon. Bye.